Welcome everybody, this is episode number 36 of the Elevated Edge podcast. For today's episode, I'm bringing on a good buddy of mine. His name's Emmanuel Ellerby. Over the past few months, I've grown closer to Emmanuel and uh, just getting to know him really well. Currently plays in the NFL and you guys are going to learn a ton from him today. So, bringing you on the show, Emmanuel, how you doing? Doing good, bro. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, just looking forward to chopping it up with you again. I know you got a lot of things coming up for yourself, so uh, this was just perfect timing for us. And you're going to give a lot of valuable information to you know kids in high school, kids in college, and trying to chase pr- playing professionally. So, can you first uh, start off? Tell the audience and I your story, and we'll break it down a little bit. So, first, just talk about where you're from, and then where'd you go to high school? Cool. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, grateful. Thank you for having me on. Uh, first and foremost, appreciate you for choosing me to be on your your podcast. Uh, but yeah, I'm from Houston, Texas, born and raised uh, from a, I guess, annex or I'm not sure exactly what you call it, but from a small part of it called A Leaf um, slash Fort Bend slash I guess yeah that area or whatnot. Um, went to high school at Straight Jesuit College Preparatory. Uh, it's a small boys school. Um, got the opportunity to go there. Had never been a private school in my life, honestly until I got the opportunity to go there uh, from ninth grade to 12th grade. Uh, I did four years there. Uh, was a really talented time. They put me through a lot of, uh, a lot of rigorous academic material, um, and that allowed for me to be able to get to uh, Rice, where I was able to get a scholarship offer uh, to be able to play football. And, yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk all about your Rice experience, but just real quick, like if there's any kids in high school listening to this, can you give them some really good advice of things that they need to focus on right now to be able to be successful in their uh, high school career and then get themselves to gain a scholarship? Yeah, um, I'd say first and foremost is like the work, right? Like um, when I was coming out, it was always about making sure that everything that I did when it came to uh, football is making sure that I produce on the field and the work that I put in. Um, you can't do anything without grades, right? And that was one of uh, it was like a non-starter within my parents and with my household. Like they wouldn't allow me to do anything if I didn't have my grades right. Like that was, and I'm I'm very very grateful for that because um, knowing what I know now and they understood the long game. You know, they always there's an old age old saying that like you've been your parents would be like I'm 14. I've been 14 first. You've never been. 35 or 32 or whatever the age is and so for them I always thought like football was an end-all be-all and with that being said was that I found out that the most way that people can trust you and coaches knew that they'd be able to rely on you is that you're available to play on the field like I knew guys that were like super talented but would never pass grades or pass classes so they would have to miss three games because they have to wait for the next progress report comes out for them to be eligible and then be like well we could have used you that would have been a great time for you to get film for you to get tape you know for college coaches to see you and the last thing a college coach wants to worry about is like oh I can't have a guy on the field because I gotta worry about him not being in class so um, if you're trying to get recruited I, I know recruiting is obviously changing it seems like it's changing every minute uh, it feels like it's a lot different now than it was back then um, exposure and stuff like that I just really was able and fortunate to have like a few camps that I went to um, but I was really I knew that at the end of the day it didn't really matter to me about all the camps you went to but it was like making sure I produce on the field and um, if you produce you know people will find you you have to it's not but you can't just sit there and think that that's all I got to do. You got to put your name out there, right? You got to have to make sure your college coach, your high school coach is reaching out to college coaches. You got to send emails to college coaches. I used to remember I had uh, 
we'd have like off periods, like slash free periods in high school. And I would literally have a list of like all these college coaches, their emails. And I would be sitting there in my off period, just sending them emails, sending them highlights, sending them my emails. I might have sent out at least 30 emails and maybe only heard the back from like four of them or whatnot. But at the same time, I was just trying to do whatever I wanted because I really wanted a scholarship that bad. And I just wanted to advertise myself as best as possible. Like, hey, I can help you, I can help you. And then I made sure that my coach was doing his job on his end. But yeah, always reaching out and stuff like that and taking the initiative upon myself because, you know, at the end of the day, it was I who wanted the scholarship right now. I wanted somebody to give it to me. So I had to take that initiative upon myself to put myself in the best position to make sure that that was possible. Yeah, that was a really good answer and a ton of takeaways right there. I just think the biggest thing is definitely be a go-getter. Make sure you're on top of your P's and Q's. P's and Q's, get good grades. So now let's transition and talk about your experience at Rice. Um, and we'll kind of break your experience down at Rice because I do want to say that you had a very successful career. Like, what, you were two-time first-team all-conference. And quote-unquote, you guys were like the last successful season that Rice had because, you know, you guys uh, went to bowl games. You also won conference, uh, stuff like that. So, uh yeah, just kind of break that down for us. And then also, what did you major into? Right. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess yeah, I came into Rice in 2014. They had just won the conference championship the year before I got there. That was my senior year. And that was kind of like uh, an exclamation. that was like, okay, yeah, I feel good about coming here just because of the fact that they won conference championships. And I didn't win a lot in high school. And for me, I hate losing. Like, I literally hate it. And so high school for me was just really hard on that sense of the idea of, like, not being able to win. So I wanted to be able to – I was like, yo, the only thing I care about really is just winning. Like, I love that. And my freshman year, we did. So came in in 2014, played as a true freshman. Very first game was against Notre Dame. Um, I think Everett Golston was just coming off of his suspension or something like that. I forgot what it was, but it was it was cool. It was, it was my first time introduction into, like, real college football. And the game after that was uh, Texas A&M, which was, like – uh, obviously, Johnny Manziel had left, but I think they had um, Kenny Hill, and there was like that Kenny Hill mania because they're like, oh, he's the next Johnny Manziel, and all those different stuff. So, yeah, I came in, I played as a true my freshman year, primarily played special teams, um, but I also was majoring in civil engineering. So, I majored in civil engineering um, throughout my time at Rice, and it was hard. Uh, that challenge of playing as a true freshman, trying to learn the playbook, trying to learn your schedule, time management, along with being a, a student just in general in college, right? Like, there's so many things that you're on your first time in your own, right? Like, it's just, it's repetitive. Like, you might have a test, I guess, in high school, and you get, like, a little break, and then you have another test. Whereas in college, you might have, like, a test today in one class, another test the next day, and then in a week or two, you have another test in that same class. Like, you don't really kind of get that break, and it's just always, like, boom, 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 next thing, next target, next thing. Um, so when I was at Rice, my freshman and sophomore year, I played a little bit of defense. Like I primarily played special teams and bowled out on special teams. I uh, was one of our top special teams players and stuff like that, but didn't really get the opportunity to play linebacker uh, until I had like one game. I played a little. I played a little bit and was making plays. And then my second year I had another game that I played a fair amount and was and was still making plays and stuff like that. So. Um, but the, the, you know that was my sophomore year, but I really didn't start until my junior year. And um, a lot of people don't know, but like when I was at Rice, I wanted to transfer from Rice because it's like, as you know, like going to Rice is really challenging. You go through a lot of difficulties, right? Because they demand so much of you academically, but also at the same time, like you're trying to make sure that you put your best foot forward so that you be able to be successful in the football field. Yeah. Because 
you know, the main goal for me when I came to Rice was like, um, I was like, in four years, I want to have my degree and I want to be going to the NFL. Like, that was my huge thing. And that was the thing. Because at first, I really didn't want to go to Rice. I wanted to go. Like, I'm from Houston. Rice is in Houston. I didn't want to go to school close to home. I was like, I want to get as far away as possible, be out on my own, like, learn, see more of the country, all those different things. And so, for me, when I had went to Rice, I had kind of, like, made a commitment to myself, like, yo, if I'm going to be here, I'm about to do the best that I can do and, and be the best that I can be within the sense of the fact that, like, I want to be, you know, I want to be the guy because we had just had like Philip Gaines had gotten drafted in the third round. Uh, Christian Covington was like a top defensive tackle. Uh, Jordan Taylor, Bryce Callahan. We just had so many guys that were like, you know, just known to be able to be going to the NFL and stuff like that. So it was like, I was like, okay, that's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be like, you know, better than them or whatnot. And and Andrew Sandejo was another guy who was like a, a vet who had been in the league for at that time, I want to say like, or four or five years or something like that so you know I was like okay I'm, I'm trying to be better than that you know I'm trying to be like that I'm trying to not only be like that but also trying to be better than that mm-hmm. um, and that's and so um, when I was at Rice you know my freshman and sophomore year it didn't always look it always looked pretty and, and it, there was times where I was really frustrated because you know you go through that time like yo I should be playing you think you're better than somebody else um, you know you feel like you're working harder than somebody else you're producing but you're kind of like in that limbo because you're fighting you know the politics of like oh he's an upperclassman all those different things you're also trying to figure out like and trying to tell the coach of like you know hey i'm i'm better than him and I'm, I'm trying to prove it to you but you're not giving me that opportunity to mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh but one of the biggest things i learned at rice or whatnot was just patience like everything happens and it comes in a time so um and then it was like once you get your opportunity make the most of it so i finally got the opportunity to start my junior year I finally like won and it was like okay I'm gonna be the starter and they had slated me as being the clear cut starter and when I got that opportunity I was like bro I'm not looking back like I'm not going back to rotating with anybody like I'm not giving up this spot I'm not coming off this field and I'm gonna do everything I can to make an exclamation point to understand and show you not only show you why I was talking my sophomore and freshman year to say that I need to be able to play more so my junior year I came in first game I think I played, I was like the second leading tackler. Then every game after that, I was the leading tackler on the team. And to the point where I got to think being like, after my freshman, after my junior year, my first year as a start, I was like an all-conference player, academically and athletically. And it was just like, it was like, yeah, we finally like, oh, wow, we really gave him the keys to this car. And he really like did something with it. He really like, you know, showed up. And so after that, it was like, yeah, bro, like I've been waiting for this opportunity. And I was like, finally, like, God, I got my opportunity. I'll never forget. I was like, uh, one game I was kind of nervous about playing, and uh, I was talking to the two guys who were like big brothers to me, Jabari McGaskey and Alex Lyons. I was like, bro, I was like, and, and they had, you know, throughout my time of being a sophomore and being a freshman, they had really brought me under their wing, which was like something that was real cool, and something I always am grateful for and appreciative to, because we would always like, in the summertime, you know, training, get extra work together, we would go into the weight room and like go to Saturday morning lists and afterwards go get food together and stuff like that and just kind of really build that camaraderie and brotherhood amongst ourselves um, to the point where I was like, bro, I'm so excited. I really wanted to make sure that because I had watched them play and I had seen them ball, I was like, bro, I don't want to let y'all down. Like it was more so about for me, like, yeah, I want to ball out for myself. And that was a part of it, 100%. But then there was another part of it that was like a, a, a significant part where it was like, Nah, I want to make sure that I do everything I can to help y'all have success because of how much y'all had sold into me about having success. 
So I told them, I was like, bro, and I remember it was like the first game. I was kind of nervous. I was like, bro, you know, I was like, I know I can do this, bro, but I'm just kind of like apprehensive a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like this is something I've been begging for and asking for and, 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 and fighting for my ass off. And now it's finally here. But then it's like, okay, finally you got your opportunity, but you'd be like kind of scared. It's like, you know, you pray for this thing forever long, but it's kind of like you'd be hesitant. And, and then people look at you like, bro, did you just ask for this? And it's like, why are you being timid? It's because there's that fear, that unknown. And then also that like, that change aspect. Um, and so I never forget before one of the very first games I started saying all this to say, I never forget uh, first game I started, I was like, yeah, bro, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to go out there, I'm trying to get my best and everything and then whatnot. Um, I was like, but I am kind of like, you know, first game starting, you know, I don't know if it's going to come fast or whatnot. They looked at me and were like, yo, bro, you a starter now. And they said, all you need to be focusing on is just balling. Like, that's all you need to care about is doing everything you can to make sure you bowl. And then I remember they told me that and I like, kind of like just sat there and I kind of like like held on to it a bit. I remember I went home that night and I thought about it and before the game came out, I was like, bro, you know what, E? I was like, man, your brother just ball. Like, that's all they want you to do. Don't worry about letting or nobody down or disappointing them, just ball. After that moment, it was like, nah, I need it. Like, I'm supposed to be here. Like, this is an opportunity that God put me in and I'm gonna make the most of it. And from that on, it was literally like, of course there were challenges in there um, or whatnot, but from that point on, it was like, nah, every single time I'm stepping on the field, I'm about to ball. And not only am I about to ball, but I'm about to show y'all why I'm the best and why I believe I'm the best. Man, you really just gave me chills right now. I'm ready to run through a brick wall real quick, man. But a uh, ton of ton of takeaways for uh, just you know any athlete out there just aspiring and staying the course. Really, that's what you did. You know, you had to earn your stripes as a freshman, sophomore, and then once you got your opportunity, you really made the most of it. And then you know, you just know you're gonna ball out and have fun with it. And what's cool is like what you're an engineering major too, so it's like you're stressing on the side of you know the rice. Uh, you know, you're having to do all these obligations with classes and whatnot, and then you're also playing at a high level and you excelled at it. So I think every athlete listening, you can take something away from this that, you know, you can do both at the same time and still uh, be great, you know. So yeah. I do I do want to talk about the league real quick, too. Like, you played in it for what? Uh, you're going into your fifth year, correct? Going into yeah. year five, yeah. So going into year five, like, you've been around the block a little bit, so you understand the system. Um, can you break down maybe like some of the teams you've been on and then what are some of the biggest learning experiences? Yeah, um, I kind of want to allude to something that you just said um, when I talked about the league was that perseverance, right? It's, and it's it's funny that you had said that because it was it, it, it's like three principles um, that I kind of like they're, they're common themes, right? Like, and I'm a big person of like, history and not only like history repeating itself but not only like in the grand scheme of history but like in your life right like there's going to be certain things that constantly like kind of keep coming up or whatnot and i think that's way of god kind of putting challenges or, or tests or obstacles in your way to be able to like kind of make you grow as a person and there's this, a thing my mother always says is that like if you don't pass this storm or, or, or do the well like do the the good of it like he'll uh, show the same storm up to you in another form or another badge, another version until you kind of get through it. So when you're talking about perseverance, especially with the engineering thing, um, and when it comes to the league, was it literally is the, the story of my NFL career, but it, it didn't really start in my NFL career. It started back from when I was in high school, and even before then, it started back from when I was a little kid, and, and I can have so many stories of things that happened. But um, when I came in as a rookie, uh, draft day comes, right? Um, I had a real 
really good pro day. Oh, uh, phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal pro day. First of all, you balled out at it. Like jumped the forty-two inch vertical as a linebacker. Nuts. Yeah, right. Way at two thirty. Way yeah. at two thirty. And so it was like, um, there was so many things that happened on that day, and it was just really cool because it was, uh, you know, you know, you go to pro day, you go into that three month of like just tunnel vision, like this is the biggest job interview I'm about to have in my life. Like I'm going to try to do everything I can to be able to be the best with it and stuff like that. And so, um, I came in and had my pro day and then the draft is coming and I'm like, all right, bet this is my best opportunity, uh, to be able to show the scouts that are coming. And I did that and I felt like that. And I got a lot of great positive feedback, um, from different people that were like, yo, like, yeah, you, you put on a show. Draft day comes, I'm on an impression and expect, expectation of like, um, like I could really, you know, have the possibility of getting drafted. You know, people were calling, asking me questions, all those different things. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Draft day comes, you know, first days, first rounders, you know, I was holding out hope, you know, oh, I might be a first rounder. I wasn't a first rounder. Second day comes, ah, maybe I'm going around as two or three. And that ain't happening. Then it was like the third day came and it was like, all right, bro, like, you know, this day right here, I know either if I go undrafted or if I don't go undrafted, like there's a huge possibility somehow, like I'm going to get called four through seven. I'm going to go, I'm going to be there. But I know for whatever reason, at the end of this day, I'm going to be on somebody's team. And so um, we went through the whole entire draft process and around like the fifth, sixth round, I started getting some calls um, from the teams and, uh, the Falcons called and they were like, Hey, um, like I'm texting one of the linebacker coaches. I'm like, yo, I want you to select me. Like, you know, y'all got the last pick, like pick me. They're like, Oh, then they traded the pick. So they didn't have that pick no more. Um, yeah, I'm like, all right, yo, select me, select me, select me. And, uh, end of the draft comes, it gets around the end of the sixth round, starting the seventh. And then, you know, my agent calls and says, yo, the Falcons want to bring you in as a UDFA. Um, they want to sign you if they, you know, if you don't get drafted, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was like, well, we're going to get drafted. So, uh, you know, I'm holding out hope to the very end. I'm very optimistic when it comes mm-hmm. to that. I'm like, well, we're getting enough drafted, but if not, then sure. You know what I'm saying? They were the first ones to call. So we'll go there. But I was like, but I'm getting drafted. So we ain't gonna really worry about that. Well, I ain't get drafted. Uh, so then we come in and, you know, it's cool because hindsight 2020, like, Obviously, a lot of people don't get that call, right? They don't they don't experience that and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, I wanted to have my name. Like, that was something I had worked hard for. I had really envisioned since I was a kid. It was something that I had, you know, wanted to have happen. But I got the call, and they said they want to bring me in as an undrafted free agent. And part of me was, like, excited. Part of me was obviously grateful. But then another part of me was, like, upset, right? Because it was like, who are the other guys that somebody else thought were better than me to not be able to put me like for them to select me. And so for that, it was like, especially like we, like you talked about my career, I was a two time first team, all conference person. I had done well, had led in tackles. I had done all these different things. I thought I put together a good resume for me to be able to be drafted. I had a great pro day, all those different things for me to be able to get to that point. But for whatever reason, somebody didn't select me. And so, I was upset and I was pissed off about that. And so, um, but one thing it let me know was it brought back those things, right? It was prayer, patience, and perseverance. And so perseverance was that thing that I said, like I really learned at Rice, especially when it came to me becoming a starter and getting my opportunity, right? That first and second year, I was only playing special teams, not really getting no shine. 
you know, and I just kept persevering. I finally got to became a starter, and when I became a starter, I ran with it. So then it was like, you know what? We're just going to persevere. Okay, this is a card I'm dealt. I'm not drafted. I'm undrafted. So since I'm undrafted, it is what it is. But I'm going to show them, like, I'm going into camp, and I'm going to make this team. I'm going to figure out a way to show them why the guy who was undrafted that they picked should have been drafted. And so I had one opportunity, and I was with the Falcons, and I was like, okay, I'm going to run with it. Went into camp. <laughs> Did my thing. Obviously, had some some miscues of being a rookie and stuff like that that you go through. Um, but um, really, try to put my best foot forward. And uh, yeah, so I ended up becoming undrafted there. Went through a crazy process my rookie year from being cut, uh, coming out of preseason uh, due to you know I was just an odd man out. Um, but I had talent, and I thought you know I got cut. Uh, being cut is, is a funny story. But we and we can get into that. But ended up playing for like the Falcons and um, you know got cut from them. Then another team claimed me. Didn't know what the waiver was, wire was, but ended up making somebody else's fifty-three man roster, which was the Los Angeles Chargers. Played with them for six weeks, but then they had an injury bug, and then I ended up getting cut again. Um, and then the Seattle Seahawks picked me up, played with them, uh, was on and off their practice, got cut, and then but put on their practice squad, and then got elevated. Um, and play with them and then uh, went through my first big injury of my life had never really been hurt before in a sense where I had to like miss time uh, I tore my ACL my second year um, spent the whole entire season recovering from that and the next year COVID hit so then I had uh, no preseason but was still recovering from that ACL and ended up going to signing with another team once I finally got cleared um, and that was with the, uh, with the Houston Texans and played with them the whole entire season then you know kind of found out the nature of the politics business and stuff like that wasn't with them anymore and then this last year played with the Falcons uh, signed on the day before the camp balled out um, you know worked my way up the ladder from being on uh, balling out and then going through politics again with them but staying persistent and staying perseverance you know using that perseverance aspect and mentality to continue just to push and push and push and push and push and push um, and ended up getting activated playing on the active roster playing defense for the first time in my career um, which was like so cool because uh, it's a lot. You know, playing defense versus playing special teams is is different. You like you're at your position, especially at linebacker. Linebackers, I think, are the quarterback of the defense. Being able to call stuff, being able to kind of really be there. Andrew on the NFL team is it, it's nothing like it. It's like a really surreal moment um, to be able to play defense, especially not like a lot of people get that opportunity. Um, and and then going through that until the very end of the season. Unfortunately, I tore my ACL. Oh, my other leg. So I already tore my ACL on my right leg my rookie second year. And then this past year, I tore my ACL on my left leg. So then it's like, boom, I went from never having any type of injuries in high school, in college, to all of a sudden having like two big, major, like big old, like season ending injuries. But one thing it came and taught me about was perseverance. So like most recently, this left leg, I've been trying to get back from that, but then all of a sudden, boom, here I am now, seven months, and my doctor's texting me saying, like, bro, you look unbelievable. The fact that you're able to cut, run, do everything you need to do at seven months is, like, uncanny. Yeah. And having that, you know, having that is pretty big. So perseverance is a thing, and, the, you know, the big driving force is, like, I know where I want to be at, and I know the only way for me to get there is through the work, right? Like, that's the only way for me to get to that opportunity to get there. Yeah, and I wanted to add, like, we worked out with each other probably like three weeks ago and bro you looked incredible like 
you know, I we had been with each other working out, uh, a, you know, a few months ago, and you're obviously rehabbing and stuff, and like you're definitely looking better and better and better. But like once I seen you, I was like, oh man, like it's different. And I think a, a big takeaway too, because you mentioned this, is like you did get your opportunity to play defense, which was you know awesome. But like. I want you to stress the importance of special teams real quick, just because that's really what keeps you on uh, NFL roster. I would say not even on the NFL roster. So the way people don't know is like the way I got to play as a true freshman when I was in college was on special teams. And that was the reason why I wasn't from playing defense, right? Like it wasn't, they were looking at me to come in here to start as a linebacker. They were like, he can help us somewhere. So I never forget we were in camp my freshman year and we were on punt. Punt, uh, punt block. I was going against the, I was on scout team. I think I was going against either the second team or the first team. I want to say it was the second team. And so they had, had me on punt block. And, you know, in uh, college, they have the wedge in the back. Mm-hmm. And so I had like, I was like, yo, um, they're like, hey, you want to be, you need to make the bus, freshman, y'all need to play special teams. So I was like, well, I want to go play at Notre Dame. I want to go play against a and mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to stay at home on the weekends when, because what happened to your shirt, you know, you're staying at home on the weekends. I was like, I'm not going to have that happen. Like, I want to go to these games and be playing. Like, I want to dress out and play. So we were on punt return, and we were going against, like, the second team punt block. I, like, swim, move, ran. It was like a, a tight end, play um, Cole Hunt there. And I, I saw him. I was like, yeah, I mess with you, but, like, right now you – you the thing stopping in between me and getting a helmet and jersey on Saturday. So, and I had ran through and I ran and I blocked the punt during what's the name uh, during practice. And then it was like after that, the coach was like, I had been doing all my things well on special teams, on like kickoff and kickoff return. I had been running down, I had been blocking my guy up really good on kickoff return. I had been doing the thing, getting downfield and making tackles and plays like in the lot and the because it wasn't live, so we weren't taking people to the ground, but, like, you know, you fit up them and stuff like that. I had been doing that on kickoff, too. And so I had done those, and it was like, the coach was like, nah, he's running his ass off. And the coach, after that play, he was like, yo, you're on the bus. But for me, that was like, you know, special teams I knew was the thing that was going to help me get into that door because I knew as long as I got in that door of being able to have that jersey or whatnot, if something happened, it would be much easier for them to give me a helmet and allow me to play versus if I was redshirting, then they have to burn my red shirt, then they have to figure out, like, okay, well, he's been on scout team the whole entire year, so does he know our plays? Does he – all those different things. Whereas, like, me playing on special teams, I was able to be that much closer to being able to put myself in a position to be able to do that. And that even translates into the league. Like like you said, like, there's guys who play in the NFL and play for 10 years. Like, uh, Larry Izzo is a guy who's a former rights guy play in the NFL for I think 15 or 16 years I want to say 15 years and he might have only started like 10 games of his whole career but he what he was a dog at and was a monster at was just being on special teams he was a demon on special teams like I didn't care if you needed a play made within the 15 yard line or you need to be a play made in the 10 yard line on kickoff he was like that and he, he did that and for me, like a huge deal was like seeing that and hearing about Izzo and stuff like that and 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 not only that I played for Izzo when I was in Seattle. Like, he was my assistant special teams coach in Seattle. So, when he was my assistant special teams coach in Seattle, I, like, latched on to him and, like, tried to understand, like, but well, what did you do to get to 16 years? Because my goal has always been to play 10. And I've had that goal since I was a little kid. Like, and the people were like, oh, you want to play in the NFL? It was like, yeah. And then after I realized, I was like, you know, I think I want to play you 10 years. Like, I want to have a long career in the NFL and be able to have that. So, with that being said, 
special teams is important. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, I would tell kids the earlier you can start getting well and used to special teams, it just makes that much easier for you in the long run because it's like you're getting used and acclimated to it. Like, yeah, you want to be the best position person you can be if you're a running back playing that, but the versatility because at the end of the day, like, there's a pecking order and there's a way for you to be able to get that to there. If you, the coach can see that you can help them on special teams and you're selfless to be able to do that, that allows them for when now your opportunity comes for them to be able to go to bat for you when it comes to you playing defense or you playing at your position or playing offense if you're an offensive player. 100%. I think that's really good. I know you don't have, like, too much time, but I do want to quickly talk about uh, B's believers. And I think that something that's really important because my – uh, target audience is pretty much like student athletes, uh, pro athletes, and who are trying to also start, you know, things outside like entrepreneurship and different things like this. So can you quickly talk about Bees Believers? Like what is it? Um, and then where people can find the foundation? Yeah. So um, I guess I'll just talk about kind of the story, how I got to it and like what it is that we do. So Bees Believers is my nonprofit, um, my 501c3 nonprofit that I have that um, our motto is to be exceptional in everything. Uh, and the idea is that we're trying to bridge the gap between student and athlete through STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics, right? And so for me, it was an idea that really was bred when I was in high school because when I was in high school, you go into high school, you see TV shows and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, the guy's a jock. He does whatever he wants. And me being from Texas, like I'm watching Friday Night Lights. And it's like all the kids that are, you know, doing Friday Night Lights, uh, the actors that they had portraying, you know, the students or whatnot was like, oh, you're the superstar. You get to do whatever you want. You get all the girls. You get free food. All the teachers do whatever you say, X, Y, and Z, because you're like the king of the castle. But when I was at Straight, um, coming up, they told me, like, Bro, we understand you're good at football, but we really could care less, like, in all honesty. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, you being good at football, yeah, we hope you get to the league, and we hope that it pays your bills for you, but then they also told me at the end of the day, they're like, what happens if you tear or something? Like, what happens if you break your foot or something like that? Like, at the end of the day, you're going to have to be an athlete. You're going to have to be a person, not just an athlete. And when they had told me that, it started making me really think, like, wow, like, there's more to life than just sports. And not only that, like, you have to be able to do both because if you can't just, if you only do one, you're gonna shortchange yourself and you can find out real quick that football's not always gonna be there forever, right? It, it's not, you never know when your last down's gonna be sometimes, you know? Uh, as much as we want to, for a lot of people, they don't know when their last down will be, right? Yep. Um, and so with that being said, they were always telling me, like, yeah, we want you to be good, but we understand, like, and then also the probability and odds of going to the NFL are very, very slim. Like, it's 1%. You're the top 1% of the 1%. So it's like for you to be able to get there, you have to beat out a lot of people. And there's a lot of guys I know that are more talented than me at the time um, that had more opportunities, I would say. But for whatever reason, all the different life factors happened where they weren't able to get to be able to beat to the NFL. And one thing my teachers at Strake always stressed to me were like, yo, make sure you do what it needs to be done off the field, taking care of your books, taking care of the classroom, making sure that you're developing your mind because that's going to help you for the day that you decide to shut it down or the day it's shut down for you. And so what these believers was is that I started to notice when I was going in college that not everybody had that same mindset. And it's not the fact that they, I'm not saying that they should, like 
that they need to be, you know, told to have that. And, you know, that's the way you think, but they had never been exposed to it. And so a lot of my teammates and friends were finding out kind of the hard way that football won't be there forever. And then when I was majoring in engineering and also playing football, I knew that I used to always tell myself, it was kind of like my way to be able to recenter myself because I was like, okay, if I don't make it to the NFL, I'm going to be an engineer. And if I don't get the big money from the NFL, then I'm going to get the really good money from being an engineer. So either way it goes, I'm sitting pretty because I have two options. Like I could be really good at engineering. Like if, it, if, the, if the football don't work out, then I always have the fallback or plan B, uh, plan B plan of being doing good and being an engineer and being able to make a very fruitful lifestyle for myself and my family, which was always like the biggest thing was I had seen my mother and father struggle in some capacities when I was growing up. And I was like, I want to be able to do better than them. Right. And I've always been competitive of always trying to make sure that I'm better and that I'm doing more and that I'm taking the next step and not just kind of staying the same. And so, um, my foundation is really just trying to expose that, uh, expose students to that. And so we take a lot of inner city school kids and we allow them to, uh, you, you know, meet people that are former student athletes that are now having careers in STEM. So we had like our spring seminars this past spring where we did six seminars. Um, well, we did we did five seminars all on the branch of STEAM. So we had a science seminar uh, where we had the students meet former athletes. We had an Olympian, a, a WNBA player, former college football player, former NFL player, oh, wow. all of them that were all like had finished their playing days and now we're going into their next phase of their life. So they were all going into, you know, med school. Um, one person I went to, a, uh, got a doctor of chiropractor. Another person was a bio, um, was doing bio um, medicine and it was a researcher and stuff like that. And she had played in the WNBA, was drafted in the WNBA, played in the WNBA, played overseas. Um, my friend who was uh, playing in the NFL, went to Brown, played in the NFL, and actually said, like, I don't want to play in the NFL anymore. I'm just going to go pursue a medical degree. And now he is, I think, a year from doing residency, residency of being a doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's like showing and exposing kids. And then we did one for technology. We did one for engineering, where we had, like, former guys that were, like, college football players, and then they did engineering. And as they transitioned to the second phase of their life, and we did one for mathematics as well. And so really just expose kids. Uh, we do it with a lot of inner city kids that don't necessarily, like, they might be in steam deserts is what we call them. Like their school programs just don't provide them with that. And so there, but we also want them to be exposed. And so, you know, we work with those kids and show them role models that look like them, right? Like show them role models who, you know, you're not a square for wanting to do well in school and do well on the field. Like that, that shouldn't be, yeah. like, I hate when people say that, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, now you're taking care of your business and like also understanding that at the end of the day, like this athleticism you have don't last forever, right? Like your body can, you can tear your ACL and, and might not recover from it, or you might break an arm or have a spinal connect, you know, something like that. But one thing that you always can have is your mind. And so if you can be able to utilize that, you can be able to still provide a healthy lifestyle for you and a very fruitful lifestyle for yourself as well. Yeah, I think you're starting something absolutely fantastic. And I didn't even tell you this, but I'm going to, after this episode, uh, after we're finished, I'm going to donate $25. Also, everybody, I'm going to put the show uh the the link to uh bees believers in the show notes so you guys go donate to the cause i'm also going to attach your uh instagram and twitter for that so real quick what are your goals financially like obviously uh, i kind of want to talk about the entrepreneurship so what's the goals financially financially short term and long term um financially for myself um 
you know, short term, it's being able to uh, have residual income. Uh, I think one of my biggest goals now is that now that I've gone into, I'm going into year five or whatnot, and as I make that journey to year ten, is that I want to be able to have enough businesses to be able to provide myself the salary that I have in the NFL because in the NFL you make a lot of a lot of money in it's uh in such a short amount of time which there's no over a dirt there's no other job that I know of that allows you to be able to make you make that much of capital over that span of time right and so for me it's fun to be able to start establishing businesses and stuff like that that allows for me to be able to make that um, amount of salary in the short term and then in the long term it's also to be able to like I want to you know make my businesses like one goal I have an aspiration to do is to really open up a restaurant but also at the same time is that I'm going to like work on um, doing things with restaurants and um, franchising and stuff like that obviously uh, you know we're working together on stuff that we've got going on that yeah. we're, you know we're, we're pulling up on and stuff like that so um, really trying to be able to do that because what I'm really trying to do is, is start to build generational world and then build stuff for like you know one day when my kids come in it's like oh yeah you know, you know, I played sports or whatever and didn't work out. Okay, I'll have an institution that's built in so that you can just kind of take a cost, you know, take on that. Like, obviously, you're gonna have your, they're going to have their own journey to walk, right? And being able to navigate how to do business and stuff like that, and they're going to have to do that. But I would, you know, want to build those institutions in place already for not only, like, my children, but, you know, kids that look like me and, and, and come from the same area that I come from that they can be able to have the opportunity to be able to have those institutions readily available to them. So if they say like, hey, I want to be an engineer, I want to be a, um, a scientist or a mathematician, um, they have those opportunities to be able to do that and not have, and can do it within their own community um, and things like that. Yeah, no, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, those are my... Oh yeah, so I just want to say uh, you definitely... You're, you're not like the average person, bro, like that I've been through like athletics and whatnot. Like you definitely are well thought out. You've thought about your long-term plans and whatnot from investing and whatnot. And like what's cool is LSNW, uh, our team is going to manage one of your Airbnbs for you going forward. So that's going to be like a cool little business venture that we'll take on. So we're really looking forward to that. So I think we'll wrap it up and get to the exit interview questions there's just five questions i ask everybody and it's just rapid fire so what's uh some what's your favorite book or podcast mm, podcast is how i built this is npr uh with guy raz um i love that i love that podcast um i would say book would probably be as obstacles the way i really love that book by ryan holiday um another one is who moved my cheese that book is a short read, but it, it, it teaches so many valuable life lessons in that book. Um, yeah, I would say those two are probably probably my top ones. There's one other book that I'm thinking. Oh, the last one is uh, Chop Wood and Carry Water. I love that book. Uh, that's, another, that's another book that's, uh, I listen to it on the audio version, mm -hmm. and you can literally listen to a chapter for five minutes in the morning, and it kind of just gets your... It gets your mind like just in the right space or yeah. not. So I would say those three things: the, the podcast, of how I built this with Guy Raz, just talks about with different entrepreneurs and their stories of how they did it, um, how they got to where they were at, the challenges they went through, the questions they asked them. You know, they ask them about their hardships, and they really just take you through their whole entire life story. I love that podcast, um, and then those two books, um, yeah. or excuse me, those three books: uh, "Ego Is the Enemy" by Ryan Holiday, Who Moved My Cheese, and then the other one of being uh, Chop Wood Carry Water. Yep, those will all be in the show notes, so you guys can go check it out uh, via Amazon link. So if you had to restart today, what would you do differently? 
to restart today, what would I have done differently? We had a workout this morning at the beach that was supposed to be at 7.30. I would have left a little bit earlier from the house that we could have gotten to the beach earlier because we ended up having to shorten the workout uh, due to we had to be in the weight room at a certain time. So uh, I would have left a little bit earlier for the beach than I did in this morning. All right. Yeah, that's that's a good one. See, like the sunrise and whatnot. That would have been cool. Uh, What's the most important thing in order to be successful? Um, that's a hard question because you can't, you can't, I can't, um, narrow it down to just one. But I would say like hard work is the first and foremost thing. If you're not willing to work for something, you're not going to achieve it. You're not going to get that goal. Like literally it's, it's hard work. And I can say, I can tell you numerous stories of like ways that, you know, I feel like the day I never forget was like, like I was in the ninth grade and I really was like, okay, this is something I want to do. And I finally, like the bowl cooked off to me. It's like anything I really want in life, I'm going to have to work for it. Nobody's going to hand anything out to me. It really clicked off for me in the ninth grade. Um, was that also having gratefulness and understanding, you know, everything that you're given, somebody had to sacrifice for you to be able to get that, or not a given, but like some, some, somewhere somebody sacrificed something for you to be able to be in the position you were at. Yep. So just being grateful on that. And then also humility, like life comes in ways, and I'm a firm believer in this, like there's one day you're on top, there's another day you're on the bottom. And the same way goes for like people that are like rich and famous, like everybody is, I think three strokes of bad luck away from being, you know, in a very different situation financially all the different types of stuff so it's like being humble to understand that and understanding that you could everything that you have is not permanent like god didn't say like you forever going to be rich no god gave you a life and said that this is a life you just need to make the most of it so having humility being grateful hard work and then the last one would be the perseverance right prayer and perseverance you know, um, the three models I like to say is patience, prayer, and perseverance, um, along with those hard work and the humility thing. But I love to say those things because it's like, um, for me, I'm a very man of God and, you know, and stuff like that. And I always pray. I always pray whenever something happens. When things are good, I'm praying. When things are bad, I'm praying, no matter what. And I think, you know, having that open line of communication between me and, and, and God or, you know, whoever listens to this, you and your higher power that you believe in, it's always good because it helps me take myself out of my situation, allow me to really assess where I'm at to be able to be the best that I can be. Um, But not only that, um, perseverance, right? Like you're going to get a million no's before you get that one yes. But that one yes can be the yes that changes your life. But the only way for you to get to that yes is you have to keep digging. You have to keep pushing. You have to keep persevering through no matter what. And the hard work that comes with that. And then the patience, right? Like it's not a lot of times, especially now I feel like in our society, um, I'm a person that suffers from this too. Is that we always want things to happen on our time, right? We see instant gratification from you know social media. I can post this. I know I can get these many likes and stuff like that. You know, everything is all at the finger. Everything's at the is at our fingertips. But with that being said, bro, like the only way for you to be able to get to those things sometimes is patience. Like things come in waves. You got to be understanding that with even as I'm saying this right now, I constantly remind myself, I remind myself this morning is that whatever is meant for you, you won't miss you, right? As long as you work hard for it or whatnot, God will reward that. He rewards movement. So, uh, you know, prayer, patience, perseverance, humility, and then gratefulness. All Love those it. different things. That just, Love that was, I feel like it was being successful. That was really powerful, man. So, what's some of your hobbies? I uh, love to cook. I love to go... 
uh, exploring in nature. Um, I love to travel. I love to go to different cities and really just experience different cultures and stuff like that. But number one type hobby is cooking. I love food. I love it with a passion. Uh, I love listening to music. I love listening to all genres of music. I'm trying to get in the country more. Uh, that's the one that's that's taken a little bit of a tick for me. Um, but yeah, uh, I love I love music. I love food and I love traveling. Like literally, I just put my headphones in. I'll go like I'll go on vacation. Like right now, I'm in LA. I'll go put my headphones in and just go walk and find me something to eat. And that's like an amazing time for me. Like, I mm-hmm. love that. All right. Last question. Where's a good place to uh, find you at and follow your journey? Um, my Instagram handles, which is the same as my Twitter handles. Uh, um, follow my foundation at Bees Believers. Um, and then my Twitter handle is a slash Instagram handle, whatever. Um, it's at LB underscore my last name, LRB 42. Yep. So, uh, just want to say, Emmanuel, thank you so much for coming on to the show today, man. You dropped so many gems. So make sure if you you listened, uh, whatever, like you guys reach out to him and say thank you because, you know, he took the time to give you all this knowledge. So thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah, of course. And for right. everybody uh, for everybody listening, uh, this just wraps up the show. I'm also putting my uh, personal handles and whatnot in the show notes. So feel free to reach out and uh If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. So until next time, guys.